You're listening to the Traffic and Funnel Show. What's going on, folks? In this episode of the TNF Show, TNF senior copywriter Ryan Schwartz walks us through how to create an automated referral network. As always, if you have a topic you'd want to hear more about or get further insight on, email us at podcast at trafficandfunnels.com. All right, let's get to the show. So today's agenda, we're going to talk about two key trends that I see as driving growth as a marketing freelancer and two corresponding practical steps you could take for bigger scopes and better clients. And I am happy to hang around for some Q&A if you guys got some cues that need some A's. So trend number one, less cooks in the kitchen. I know that picture is in the kitchen, but I love green velvet chairs and how to use the picture. I won't apologize. But my one and only rhetorical question for today, would an integrator, project manager, marketing director, or CMO rather have four contractors or freelancers at $10,000 each or two at $20,000 each or one at 50. Managerial bandwidth has a massive and exponentially variable cost. And in most cases, a CMO, a marketing director and integrator is gonna rather work with less people at higher budgets per person. So this means something for us freelancers, right? What's this meaning? It means there's going to be less cooks in the kitchen, or at least that's where leaders and integrators are preferring to move towards. So they want to work with fewer team members, fewer freelancers, with both wider and deeper skill sets, rather than managing a bunch of specialists, which can create greater management costs, greater potential for breakdowns, greater bottlenecks through human variability. Further, A few of the things I've noticed, the handoff and chill approach is dying. They want these freelancers and contractors to stay for the full meal, not just deliver an asset and then disappear into the cold, dark night. Uh, Project managers would rather have a fractional team member or a retainer freelancer who can integrate with their core team for the duration of a month, for the duration of a mandate or a project, whether that project is a launch, a funnel build, a website, um, a wedding album, if that's your space. Um, And they wanna keep them around, right? Not only is there a cost to managerial bandwidth of having a lot of cooks in the kitchen, there's a managerial cost um, and an HR cost to reassuming the search for more talent to bring in, right? So they want deeper scopes, longer mandates, and they wanna keep you around. Now, this is good news if you're willing and able to align with this trend. So the big reason why project needs evolve, right? If you're a copywriter, your deliverable isn't a Google Doc. If you're a designer, your deliverable isn't a PNG. It's an outcome, right? And the only way to actually own that outcome, take ownership of that outcome, and that's what you're really getting paid for, taking ownership over an outcome, is to be present until that outcome is produced, whether that is to launch the website, the funnel optimization, or a wedding album. Your job is to make sure that outcome gets produced, not just hand over a Google Doc or PNG. So the action step is resolve to create offers, packages, and price points where you can integrate into their team for the duration of the project, meaning attend their standups 
create project-based standups with the relevant stakeholders and people for that project and bake overseeing and supporting implementation and optimization into your scopes. What this means for you as a freelancer, own an outcome, not an asset, right? Own the success of a launch, not the handoff of a Google Doc sales page. Understand that no single asset exists in a silo, right? It exists within an interdependent convergent ecosystem. And what this also means ultimately is less clients for you and less contractors for them by taking on fuller and more complete scopes. Now, I never understood people who are trying to get 10, 15, 20 clients versus five, six, seven incredible ones that you could go deep and do incredible work with. And maybe this is just personal preference because I'm kind of an introverted Canadian who just wants to hide out in my copy cave. But like, I don't even think I can remember 10 people's names simultaneously, let alone have 10 ongoing client relationships. So this is really going to be um, a sound strategy <laughs> for freelancers who would prefer to go deep, achieve outcomes, maintain outcomes, build upon them, and deeply partner with three, four, five incredible clients rather than constantly hunting and trying to find new ones and building relationships from scratch. So let's go deeper into this topic here of how no single asset exists in the silo because I think it's one that a lot of freelancers don't get until they get. Someone might hire you or want to hire you to write a long form sales page. And an inexperienced freelancer may take that task, right? Kind of how a chef would take a task at a restaurant, right? This is the one thing I got to cook. But the thing is, is that doesn't exist within a silo. Within that long form sales page, there is audience research and the synthesis of that into a workable document or a workable system. There's likely an offer that requires a degree of optimization to make sure that it's ready to be presented to the market. There is the live chat conversion playbook. If you have a live chat running on that page, what's that first message saying, right? That pops up on the bottom of the screen. What is the chat flow? Who's managing that? Who's overseeing those chats? There's a lead scoring rule setup, right? If someone lands on that sales page and has a session for more than two minutes, do we lead score that onto our CRM? If so, by what score? What do we do when people cross that lead score threshold? These are things to think about within the ecosystem, right? There are the sales emails, right? What automation and segmentation strategies are we running those with? There are the ads, there are the fulfillment emails, there are the abandoned cart sequences, there are retargeting ads, and it goes on and on and on and on. Now, I'm not saying you have to be able to do, to do every single piece within that ecosystem, but why wouldn't you take ownership over as many of those elements that affect and impact the one that you are responsible for taking on, right? So there's no such thing as being hired to write a long-form sales page without having a deep, intimate understanding of the audience and taking the steps to get there, without having a stellar offer that you feel confident will perform in the market, and without having the right sequences in place to make sure that the traffic that's landing on that page is primed and empowered to read it, and those who didn't buy there have the opportunities and the follow-up opportunities 
to actually close um, a little later on. So nothing exists in a silo. And some questions for you to reflect on as you maybe reconsider what your offer is and what you're being hired for is what is the outcome, not the asset that you're being hired to support, right? No one gets hired to write email copy. They get hired to support a successful launch. How can you take greater ownership over that outcome? And what would your optimized offer look like in scope, in the support you're providing within it, the duration of your mandate, access to you within it, maintenance, optimization, all these things. What would your optimized offer look like um, in the highest level? And how can you consult on, strategize, advise on, and lead that outcome versus just having that task taker mentality who is there to receive marketing tasks and check it off, right? How can you actually take a strategic and leadership position on the outcome that you're being hired to be an expert on. So here's the strategy I'm gonna propose. Um, I call it outcome-based upskilling. Now there are no shortage of things one can learn in the marketing space in upskilling your craft as a freelancer. But what I would encourage you to do is to do it strategically based on what you see your ideal offer or ideal scope being. Right. So what tangential, I think I'm getting that word right, tangential, it's a tough one. Uh, what tangential pieces of the outcome can you get better at or find a partner on, right? So whether that's doing funnel, funnel automations, even if that's doing enrollment calls or building out the pipelines within the CRM, um, if you're writing webinar copy, right, for the webinar itself, can you get really good at doing the Zoom integrations? Can you get really good at doing the post-webinar segmentation of who attended, who didn't, and how to follow up with them? Once again, that would be owning the outcome, not just writing a webinar, right? So outcome-based upskilling, where do you still have some skill gaps based on the outcome that you are poised to create and how could you fill those gaps, right? So that's the first strategy to keep in mind and something to journal on as it corresponds to what your ideal offer is. Trend number two, and this is the one that, um, you know, outcome-based upskilling is something that you're gonna to plan to do over the next two months, six months, a year. It's gonna be something you're constantly optimizing. Trend number two is something that I think you could take away some immediately practical insights on, and we're gonna give you some practical work at the end of this. But how are, high-end clients hiring right now. And of course, there's no one-size-fits-all, but I'm going to give you my own personal experience based on about $75,000 in referred contracts in January and February alone. So where are these big dollar deals being made? Um, I'm not seeing them being made over Google. I'm not seeing them made over people's contact forms on their website. I'm not seeing them being made on crowdsourcing posts on Facebook or LinkedIn and not so much in cold DMs or pitches, not to be confused with ones that aren't cold. Um, but high, free, high value freelance deals are being made via relationships, warm intros and referrals. So if someone wants to hire a copywriter to own the success of their launch or their evergreen funnel, they're primarily asking um, folks in their masterminds, right? Trusted peers, their own coaches, their own partners, their own affiliates. 
they're asking other members of their team, right? They're asking the media buyers if they know anyone. They're asking the designers, the automation specialists, the marketing tech. They're asking their past or current freelancers, right? If they know anyone um, to pass the torch. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. Um, they're asking paid communities they're part of, and they're asking other industry friends they trust. These are really the places where these deals are being made more and more, at least the very high value ones in my experience. So the question for you is, have you set yourself up to be mentioned in these scenarios? And if not, can we resolve to create what I call an automated referral network where you become the automatic knee-jerk referral when someone asks, hey, do you know a copywriter who can do X? Do you know a marketing automation specialist or a media buyer or an accountant or a photographer or a designer who can do X, right? How do you set yourself up to be that knee-jerk referral? And how do you do that strategically versus leaving it all to chance? So how do you cultivate an automated referral network? Um, these are the five ways I did it quite accidentally and then had to reverse engineer how I built my career, you know, on the other side of it. Um, but past and current clients, right? Have postmortems with your current clients. Don't just let a project end without you following up to evaluate the success of it. See what needs to be done. See what could have been done better. If things went superbly well, that is a place to ask for referrals, to create case studies. Other copywriters, other freelancers. So this is what I call the torch path succession plan. So around 20, yeah, 2017 was really when I was at the peak, peak, peak of my copywriting business, just booked solid for six months at a time, launch after launch after launch, um, and just really had a world-class roster of clients that I loved. And then... <laughs> and then Sue got pregnant. That's really the blunt way of saying it. And I knew that my productive work hours were going to be drastically slashed and there was no way I could continue having that load that I had, right? So that was an opportunity for the torch pass, right? What other copywriters did I trust enough to hand off these clients that I loved and trusted and wanted them to have the best possible experience, right? And naturally there were a few people who I was cultivated within their automated referral network, right? They were students of mine. They were um, past collaborators who would just constantly keep me up to date on what they were doing. They would send copy they were working on, things that were working and essentially just made them very easy to refer out, you know, in a time when I didn't have a lot of mental or emotional bandwidth to make that evaluation myself. So they stayed top of mind in ways that you can certainly stay top of mind. Um, other aspects of your automated, automated referral network, collaborators and other team members on each project, right? So if you're a copywriter, get to know the designer, get to know the integrator, get to know the automation team, the MarTech team, the development team, the media buyers, those running the ads. Build relationships with everyone who is touching pieces of your project, with everyone who you are actually in collaboration with. Because remember, nothing exists in a silo. And it's simple. Come on to a project and simply have those one-on-ones as conversations asking how you can make their job easier, right? If you are writing copy that ultimately needs to be designed and all copy, I think, needs to ultimately be designed to some degree, 
have that chat with the designer, right? How would they appreciate a handoff, right? How would they appreciate um, collaborating to make sure things get translated well onto the page? Um, these relationships become so valuable, right? When I think about my own relationship with traffic and funnels, this is how I met Chris Evans, y'all, like eight years ago now. We were working on launches and funnels together, right? And these relationships come when you're deep in the trenches, working towards common goals, and then make the time to reach out to the other people collaborating on it. Um, the incredible CMO at Traffic and Funnels, Dane, that's how I met him, right? And you build these relationships and this trust by getting to know um, the folks that you're going to battle with on these projects. So this is probably the easiest way for you to cultivate your automated referral network is go deep and go deep in your collaborations with other people on the teams that you're plugging into. Then of course, stay top of mind by keeping your own mentors, coaches, course creators in the loop of your progress and wins. That's what made it super easy for me to do the torch pass, right? I didn't have to think and try to remember who was doing what. Um, folks just kept me posted on their own wins and their own successes and it became so easy to just make that connection when new opportunities were coming up. Um, offer to speak, present, share for your clients, masterminds or courses, right? So get in the habit of speaking to paid forums, right? So if you help launch um, a client's membership site, right? Can you make the offer, right? Can I teach on this topic to that membership, to that mastermind where you know you're speaking to other people who will have that need and ultimately um, people who've already invested, right? This is an incredible place to build that automated referral network. Then bonus action step. This is the very first thing I ask anyone I mentor, I was gonna say mentee. I don't ask people to mentee, people I mentor um, to do as a freelancer, right? Like create your own dream 10. Who are the dream 10 clients that you would absolutely love to work with? right? Who inspires you? What brands do you consume? What uh, missions do you fully align with? And it's worth taking a moment to know if you could work with those 10 people, if this was your roster that you went deep with, who would they be, right? And then don't keep it with, keep it to yourself. Let that be known to every other freelancer you engage with inside this group, inside any memberships or mentorships or programs you're part of. Um, and you dramatically increase your chance of getting that intro, being the person that someone forms that link when that opportunity arises. So that's going to be the invitation today, as silly as it might sound to some and how impossible it might seem to some, create that dream 10. Because if you don't know it, the people who would ultimately refer you to that person certainly don't know it. So take that 20 minutes, create your dream 10, and then bonus points the 10 on your list, see how you can maybe reach out, right? Do they have a product, a course, or a program you already use? If so, be active in their communities. People notice these things, right? People notice when others are active, actively engaging in their content, whether that's on the paid side or on the free side, names start to pop up and show up in awareness, right? Leave badass reviews if it's an e-commerce product that shows off your copywriting skill. Um, write the most epic testimonial they've ever seen, unsolicited, right? If you used a program or a product or a company that you love, write a badass testimonial 
and send that to their team, I guarantee you, you're going to get on their radar. Um, connect and build relationships via offering could be a case study, similar vein there. And then note, right? Make the note of what gaps they may have in their marketing or copy that you can help fill. And I promise you, <laughs> pretty much every company has gaps and they know they have gaps. As a copywriter myself, I know I have gaps, right? I almost cringe when people hit my new subscriber initiation sequence that I know I haven't updated in over a year and probably has at least one broken link in there. But it's become too low priority for me to dive in and do it on top of everything else. So I know I have gaps, right? And most people aren't going to be insulted if you point out their gaps and offer genuinely once a relationship and trust has already been established, if you offer to jam on just what you've noticed and where you might be able to help, right? So these are genuine ways of building relationships with those who may be on your top 10 and how you can possibly come in and offer to work with them, right? In some genuine way. Friends, really quick, you have to listen to this. When I started in 2015, I started taking clients as a freelancer. What I didn't know at the time was the things that I was doing were not normal and they worked better than I could have imagined. Within six months, I was clearing $25,000, $40,000 a month as a freelancer. I looked around and people said, hey, what are you doing? And I said, isn't everybody doing this? They said, no, they're not. They're not doing this. What are you doing? We put together a product for you. It's the freelance to business owner manual. It's a manifesto of sorts. It kind of teaches and breaks down the secrets of going from a you know, a small up and down feast or famine freelancer to being a legitimate business builder and growing an organization that is consistent, predictable, safe, and enjoyable. Check it out, trafficandfunnels.com slash business. Trafficandfunnels.com slash business. You can have it. Go there today.